Amen. Praise God. Now, you guys are a wild church, I tell you. You guys are fantastic. There's electricity in this house. Unbelievable. You keep your pastors nice and young, that's for sure. Amen. They do. You guys we have to. Amen. Wow. I just want to thank Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy again that I can be here tonight. It's been a privilege to be here. And the leadership of this great church. And uh, I noticed that the younger crowd is over this side. Is that right? And uh, the wiser crowd is over this side. Is that right there? The wiser. We need the wisdom of the young and, I mean, the wisdom of the wiser crowd and the energy of the younger people. Amen. Praise God. You know, I'm really excited tonight and God has put a word upon my heart that has been percolating for quite a long period of time. I want to be speaking tonight about the anointing of God. Now, we celebrate this wonderful morning at the Easter celebration of the death and resurrection of Christ. But that is also done that we can live a life that is very successful in the things of God. That has a great impact in the world around us. You know, I believe very seriously, and like we did it tonight, when we give God glory, His glory comes down. When you give God glory, His glory comes down. In your life, in your family, in your business, and all that you do, when you give Him glory, His glory comes down. And uh, I've been really refreshed and recharged, and I want to just thank you so much, even for the wonderful accommodation that has been provided from the church, and thank you so much. Well, I'm going to just show you some things again tonight. We've got a table back there, now, just inside the building, before you go to the foyer. There's just some lovely t-shirts that we do have, which are exclusive to the ministry. And uh, these wonderful t-shirts helps us to support our teams in third world countries. There's another one there. That's a pretty bold statement, that one there. Amen. And we also have these ones too, these beautiful DVDs. This one is such a powerful DVD. This is Heaven's Gate Source Flames done live with a multimedia. This one here is the Miracle Modesto. It was done in a large Baptist church of 5,000 people church in California. It was supposed to go for three nights. They couldn't fit the crowd in. Went for 28 nights. Over 80,000 came, and more than 33,000 gave their hearts to Jesus. And they do this every year. This is their 12th year, they do this in a row. So it's some tremendous things that God has been doing. I mean, I've got plenty of testimonies, but I think I've, I just want to cut to the chase tonight and just get into God's Word. But um, there was this lady that, we, that I met when I was in Queensland. This was at Albany Creek, the same church where those three billionaires got saved. And uh, she... She gave a heart to Jesus on Tuesday night. And then two months later, we did Heaven's Gates in a place called Tigum, at Pastor Gary Levin's church. And uh, it's about two hours drive. And she came to see us again, visit us. And it was nice. I remember her because she had no hair. And I, she said, do you remember me? He goes, I remember you. You gave your heart to Jesus Christ at two, two months ago at the other church, two hours away. That's right, she said. She said, my life is completely changed. I said, well, tell me what happened to you. Because, well, look, I gave my heart to Jesus on the Tuesday night. And I used to suffer from epilepsy and I'm completely healed. She said, I had two slip discs in my back and I'm completely healed. She said, I had a brain tumor and the brain tumor is vanished. She said, now, I tried to get my family to come and see the production and they couldn't make it. So I got one of these DVDs. Now, this is not a plug, but this is just amazing what God can use. So I got one of those Heaven's Gates DVDs and showed it to my family members. And all 11 members in my family in a two-month period gave the hearts of Jesus Christ and got baptized in water. 
Amen. She says, my world is completely changed. And that's what God does. God loves people. And that's why God gave His Son. That's why God gave His very best. We need to realize something's important. People out in the world and us in this building tonight, we are made in the likeness of God. When someone who does not receive Christ will live for eternity in the lake of fire where the worm never dies. It isn't what they go there for six months and they suffer for a while and a bit of pain and agony and then they, they steam up into dust. No, 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 no. That person will live forever because the part of them that can never die because it's made in the likeness of God. And that's why there's a battle for souls. And that person will suffer for eternity. Where well, the Bible says there is pain and gnashing of teeth. And to gnash your teeth speaks of pain. Forever. And that's why God has given us a great responsibility to share the message of Jesus Christ, the power of God. And we need God's touch and God's anointing over our lives that, in a way that it impacts lives. I remember we were in Tokuru with Pastor David Moore, the um, apostolic church. And we did Heaven's Gates over there. And that same weekend, the mayor of the city put on Sex Expo in the town of Tokorua. So as you go down the street, there was this big banner. It says, Sex Expo. And 20 meters on this side of the main road, there was another banner. It said, Heaven's Gates and Horse Flames. It was, a, it was a showdown at the corral. It was on, Pastor Mike. Anyway, the mayor got really upset. He said, I, I spent all this money booking at the town hall, getting these free speakers for the sex expo, and no one came. They came to that Jolly Heaven's Gates thing at your church, and about 258 people gave their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We were also with Pastor Tuck Barnard in West Auckland, Henderson, and uh, they only could go for four nights. There was a massive problem we, we had in those few nights there, because over 749 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Isn't God good? I remember we were in um, Kataya, the northern part of New Zealand, and the, the youth pastor was playing one of the scenes of the construction workers, and his wife was playing the scene of the suicide scene. He said to me, in these three nights, between my side of the family and my wife's side of the family, more than 25 people in our family gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Amen? So it's been really exciting what God has been doing seeing God touch lives and transforming lives. We meet people after so many years, they're now involved in the ministry. And either they're full-time preachers or they're involved as music pastors and just serving God. So it's a real joy. I just want to say honestly tonight, I just have a great appreciation and gratitude towards Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy. I consider them to be my pastors when I come to this country of New Zealand. I don't say that lightly. I see a lot of people, a lot of ministers, a lot of ministers. And I have great gratitude for them. There's probably about three ministers in my life that I look up to as the oracles of God when it comes to wisdom and impartation. And Pastor Mike's one of, the, one of those three people in my life. And I appreciate you very much. Look after your pastors because this ministry is a gift to the body of Christ. It's a gift that God has given to this wonderful city. And so take care of them because they will bless you immensely. Amen? Which they are anyway. Praise God. You know, I remember, like I said this morning, I, I married this wonderful girl from Tawa, from Wellington, from New Zealand. And uh, I brought her to the promise, I mean, I brought, her to, I brought her to Australia. You know, we got married and went to Australia. And I had two counselors 
that was counseling me. My pastor and my wife's pastor was counseling us, you know, premarital counseling. I guess we had to get a double portion of this thing, right? I needed it, brother, you know. A little bit confused, this Italian pony. But anyway, and so, and so they said a lot of things was really good. But only one thing stuck in my mind. And one of the pastors said to me, remember, Maurice, this important thing. I said, what is it? He said, in marriages, four rings are given. I said, four rings? There's four rings are given. He said, the first ring is the friendship ring. I said, okay. The second ring is the engagement ring. I said, okay. The third ring is, is the wedding ring. And the fourth ring is the suffering. <laughs> Great wisdom, isn't it, huh? They say, as the bride walks down the aisle, amen, approaches the altar, and she sings the hymn, she's thinking, I will alter him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we have this pastor come to our church from Italy. His name is Francesco Rauti, and uh, he's the vice president of the Symbols of God of Italy. And he got up and made this statement one night. He says, in Italian he said this, of course, he says, brothers, the Bible says that the man is the head of the family. And all the brothers, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But he said, men, you forgot one thing. The wife is the neck which turns the head wherever she wants. Amen. So praise the Lord. So Lord, amen. Help us, Jesus. Praise God. But we thank God for our wonderful wives and, and uh, they're a blessing to us. I love my wife very dearly. And uh, we contact every day on the phone, and she sends her love to you, and uh, it's fantastic. We're going to do God's Word tonight, and as we do, begin to prepare yourself and position yourself. The Bible says many are called, and few are chosen. Now, I know this regards about many things, but many are called. I'm going to talk about the call of God. Many are called, and few are chosen. i tell you why. Many are called to serve the Lord. But only a few are chosen because only a few people position themselves in such a place where God can choose you and use you. And tonight, I want to touch very briefly on the anointing and the power of God. We celebrated the death and resurrection of Christ, but that has given us also to live a life that has great impact in this dying world. So let's go tonight to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Book of Romans, chapter 10. Book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 14. Book of Romans. Chapter 10, verse 14, and verse 15. We're going to see some wonderful things tonight regarding the anointing of God. And I pray this will bless you and challenge you for His glory. Romans 10, verse 14. It reads like this. How then shall they call upon Him who had not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Let's pray right now. Father, we come before your presence in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for these wonderful people. I thank for their love and zeal and passion for you and for God's work. And I pray tonight you may walk among us again tonight. Speak to us uh, by the power of your word. Let our lives be changed uh, by the power of your word. And as we give you glory, let thy glory come down. Walk among the pews, touch lives, change them, use them mightily. And Father, we give you all the glory. Because as we lift you high, you'll draw people to yourself. And we ask you this, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen. It says in Romans 10, 14, How shall they know unless we go and tell them the message of Jesus Christ? You know, I used to pray before in the past. I used to pray before, Lord, Lord, just, just change the leaders in our church. And just change your attitude. And, and, and Lord, just have your way. And Lord, and my pastor... Lord, change his life, O oh God. And I used to pray, Lord, just, just, just change him and make him more of a man of God. And my wife, Lord, you change her too and, and revolutionize our life. Change her. But now I've changed the way that I pray. Now I'm praying, God, change me. God, change me. God, change me. That I may think like Jesus. That I may love like Jesus. That I may walk like Jesus. That I may pray like Jesus. That I may touch like Jesus. God, change me. God, change me. And when God begins to change us, He will use us to touch and change a dying world. Like I said this morning, you have been born in this generation to do something for your God in your generation. That's why you're here. I've learned this in my life. See, I gave my heart to the Lord at the age of 14. I started preaching the gospel at the age of 16. And mum and dad, they were nearly separated at one stage. And, and my mother had two nervous breakdowns. She was taking eight tablets a day. I was involved in taekwondo and martial arts. I was a champion in my weight division. We had a gang of 36 people back in Haberfield in Sydney. There are a lot of foolish things. I could have been in prison or dead by now. But I'm here because of a mother's prayer. She kept on praying, God, change his life. Lord, change his life. And one night at a service, I said, God, if you're real, change my life. And if you're not real, then just leave me alone. Not much of a chance, is there, mate? He said, I'll fix you up, sunshine. <clears throat> and something took place within our lives. You see, my friend, when you've touched the fire of God, when you've touched the anointing of God, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy you but just the touch of Jesus Christ. I long for His presence. I long for His touch. I long for His fire every day. I cannot live without His presence. Every day. You see, when you drive in a car and the engine begins to heat up, sometimes the reason why the engine is heating up is because not enough oil in the engine. And sometimes we begin to heat up. We begin to lose the edge. We begin to lose our patience. We begin to sort of, you know, get a little, little bit sharp. And the reason is you need some oil in this engine of your life to keep the motor nice and cool, to keep on running for the Lord. I've learned this 
that when I am serious with God, then God will take me seriously. When I take God by His word, then God will take me by my word. When I want to bless the family of God, then God will bless my family. When I want to bless the house of God, then God will bless my house. In other words, as you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will add them to you. It says in Romans, how shall they know unless we tell them the message of Jesus Christ? In the year 1600, there was approximately upon the earth 500 million people. It took 200 years to double itself to 1 billion people. The next billion took 100 and 35 years. The third billion took 125 years. The fourth billion took 35 years. And the fifth billion has taken 15 years. They say we're increasing 1 billion people per 7 years. In the days of the apostles, there was a few million people, quite a few million people upon the face of the earth. Today, we're getting close to 7 billion people. How great is our responsibility before the face of God? And you have been born in this generation to do something for your God in your generation. That's why you're here. Russia never have been born. And you must believe that of all your heart. You know why? Because no one else will believe it for you. It says in Proverbs, As a man thinks in his heart, so shall he or she be. If you're saying tonight, God, I'm a sinner, you can't use me, God will not use you. If you're saying, God, I'm a sinner, saved by grace, use my life for your glory, then God will use you. As a man or as a woman thinks in her heart, so shall they be. You see, why Gideon was hiding away, and he said, Lord, the angel came and says, Gideon, you're a valiant man. He says, you've made a mistake. He said, you see, he said our tribe is the last tribe of Israel. He says, my family is the last family in the tribe. He says, I'm the last one in my family. You've made a mistake. And while Gideon was in that state of mind, God could not use his life. But when he saw himself the way God has saw him, his life was changed and God used him powerfully. How shall they know unless we tell them the message of Jesus Christ? You see, right now in the city of Sydney, I'm not sure it's not that different maybe in the city of this wonderful city, but right now in Sydney, one male out of every seven is a homosexual. Out of three marriages, there's two divorce. One girl in every four girls is an incest case. We've just passed Denmark as the highest suicide nation in the world. One person in every ten try to commit suicide. Among our farmers, because of the drought that we have in Australia, one farmer, this was on National News Channel 10, one farmer every second day commits suicide in Australia. One farmer every second day. How great is our need tonight? 
How shall they know unless we tell the message of Jesus Christ? What is that thing that burns in your heart tonight? And you might say tonight, but I, I, I don't know if God has chosen me. You might say tonight, I, I, I don't know if God's cause upon my life. The Bible says every person has received the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. He said, as my father has sent me, so do I send thee. The things you see me do, you do also. And as I'm upon the earth, you be likewise. And greater things shall you do in my name. And it says in Corinthians that all the promises of God are not maybe, not perhaps. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. It says in Proverbs that God has magnified his word above his very name. When God has promised something, he will do it. How shall they know unless we tell them the message of Jesus Christ? It says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5. Powerful scripture. It says, be watchful in all things. Take out of your life. Look out for your family. Look out for your church. Be wise. Bend your toes. It says, be watchful in all things. Then it says, endure hardship. Hey, things happen sometimes. Be strong. You see, how can it be more than a conqueror if there's nothing to conquer in your life? How can it be more than an overcomer if there's nothing to overcome in your life? It says, 2 Timothy 4, 5, be watchful in all things. Then it says, endure hardship. Then it says, you say, and then it's, my brother, I'm not sure if God's called me. Then it says, and do the work of the evangelist. You might say, but I'm, I'm not one. That's fine. Then do the work of the evangelist. Reconcile people to Christ. Then it says, fulfill your ministry. Be watchful in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist fulfill God's calling in your life? What is that thing that burns in your heart tonight? I met this man in Florida while I was ministering in Florida. He said to me, Pastor Maurice, do you realize that I already have 17 houses? I said, God bless you. That's wonderful. He said, in 20 years, I already have 17 homes. I said, good. I said, I said to myself, I wish you could tell me that in 20 years, you want 17 souls to Christ too. There's nothing wrong with 17 houses. God bless you. How shall they know unless we tell them the message of Jesus Christ? Many people say to me, look, the reason why this world is in a mess, the reason why things are going so bad around the world is because of our scholastic system. It's because of the university and the colleges that are not teaching our people properly. It's because the governors of our land that are not doing the right thing. And that is partly truth, but that is not all truth. 
Second Chronicles chapter, chapter, chapter 7 verse 14 says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then from heaven will I hear, forgive them of their sins and heal their lives and heal their families and heal their church and heal their land. The problems of this world should not be resolved in the corridors of politics, but they shall be resolved by the people of God, the salt and the light of this world. What is your desire tonight? What is that thing that captivates your attention? What are you longing for? With my life, I should have passed the mic. The beginning, uh, the end of last year, the beginning of this year, if I could put in a nutshell, what God was telling me was, Son, He was just saying this, Son, do not rely upon your prayers. Rely upon the one you're praying to. Many times we pray for many things, and we should. Don't get me wrong, we should. But so well, I prayed about that. Praise God, it's all done. Yeah, that is true, and that's true. But don't just rely on because you, because you prayed about it, but rely upon the one you're praying to. You see, for example, seek first the kingdom of God. But many people are seeking for the hand of God, symbolic of His power. Don't just seek the hand of God, seek the face of God to know Him. To know Him. To know Him. Another thing that God has been challenging me, son, I don't just want your, you to increase your prayer life, I want intimacy with your life. Intimacy. How shall they know unless we tell them the message of Jesus Christ? And I began to pause and reflect the need that we have to have God's anointing flowing through our lives. And my mind raced to Exodus chapter 30. Verse 22. So tonight, let's go to Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, and look at briefly the anointing of God. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. Turn tonight with me, please. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. As we speak tonight about the anointing of God, take a note. This will be very valuable information for us. Exodus 30, verse 22. It reads like this. More of the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, five shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much a sweet-smelling um, cinnamon, then 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, and according to the shekels of the sanctuary, a hint of olive oil. Verse 30. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and sanctify them, and they may be ministers to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. 
God instructed Moses to find five ingredients to produce anointing oil to anoint the servants, the priesthood of God. We're going to see very briefly tonight how those five ingredients we're going to tap into and what they are symbolic and what they mean for us tonight. I believe to have a successful life in this world for Christ, I'm not talking about dollars and cents here, and there's nothing wrong with dollars and cents, but to have a life that has great impact to those around us, I believe we need these five ingredients within our life. And, Mo- and God commanded Moses to find them and prepare them. They were found in the northern part of Africa, these five ingredients. There was five of them. Three were sweet and two were sour. Three of them were sweet and two were sour or bitter. It is a sweet and sour experiences that helps us to grow in the things of God. It is a sweet and sour experiences that helps us to grow in the things of God. The first ingredient that God told Moses to prepare was myrrh. As you remember Jesus, when he was born, the wise men came, and one of the spices that was given was myrrh. As you remember Jesus on the cross this morning, they gave him wine mingled with myrrh. Myrrh was an antiseptic. Myrrh was a painkiller. Myrrh is symbolic of God's anointing, the capacity to handle pressure. That when the heat is on and the battle is on, the power and the strength of God will sustain you when all the world is against you. When trouble is all about you, as you lift up your countenance, Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Myrrh is the capacity to handle pressure when the pressure is on. Myrrh is an antiseptic, a painkiller. It reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, where the king Nebuchadnezzar made this golden image. And he commanded all the people, every tribe and every tongue and every language to bow down at this golden image that he set up. And the musicians, when they stopped to play, every person had to bow down in worship. And as Nebuchadnezzar looked down at the crowd, he saw a figure of three men standing up. Three men that were not willing to compromise. Three men that were willing to make a stand for God, even if it meant the cost of their very lives. And he called these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The pressure was on. And he says, I'll give you a second chance. The devil always will give us a second chance to sin. The devil always will give us a second chance to compromise and lower the standard. He said, I'll give you a second chance. The music will start playing again. Only for you three guys. And then when it stops, you must bow down. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, they said, 
King Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve, now this is important, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from your hand and from the burning furnace. But they said, if not, if God does not deliver us, if God does not answer our prayer, if God does not provide for our need, he said, our God can deliver us from your hand and from the burning bush and from the burning furnace. But if not, they said, we will not bow down. No compromise. Many times we say, God, if you'll help me, Lord, uh, if you'll provide a job for me, then I will serve you. And Lord, if you help me to buy that house, then I'll be really committed to you. And Lord, if you provide me a spouse, then together, uh, Lord, we will just serve you. And, and Lord, if you heal my sick body, then Lord, if you heal us or you don't heal us. If you provide for my financial need or you don't provide for my financial need. Whatever happens... We will serve you, no conditions attached. No compromise. Myrrh, the capacity to handle pressure when the heat is on. It marks you out. The gaze of your countenance gives it away. The second green that God instructed Moses was cinnamon. This cinnamon was not the one he put on cappuccinos. I love cappuccinos. Uh, Gloria Dio, hallelujah. I love espresso coffee and so on. But this cinnamon was not the one that you put on cappuccinos. It was a hot, spicy powder. This speaks to us about zeal. Myrrh was an antiseptic, a painkiller. The capacity to handle pressure. The second one is cinnamon. Speaks of fire. Jesus said, The zeal for thy house has consumed me. The word enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. When you go to Bible college, you study theology. Theo. The study of God. Theo. In Enthusiasm comes from in Theo, in God. When you're in God, there is enthusiasm. There's life. There's a reason to live. Don't you get that enthusiasm in Theo? Jesus said, the zeal for thy house uh, has consumed me. Fire. Many people are praying, oh God, oh God, send the fire of Pentecost. Oh God, send your fire over my life. Send your fire over my life. And God says this, how can I send the fire of God's spirit upon the altar if there is nothing upon the altar? When we give our lives to Christ upon the altar, as we give our souls to Christ as a living sacrifice, then His fire will come down and reduce that to ashes. And then comes the wind of the Spirit of God. And it will pick up those ashes and blows them where He wills. And there's no longer any resistance because we are fused together with Him. The we're in Christ and Christ is in God.
cinnamon, fire, zeal. The third ingredient was sweet smelling cane. Sweet smelling cane was used as an appetizer. Some that you'll eat before you have a main course is an appetizer. It stirs you up. We give it to our children sometimes when they like an appetite that there's, there's some uh, minerals we might give. is an appetizer. To get the appetite stirred up to eat. Since I've been in your wonderful city, I've prospered physically and spiritually. Help me, Jesus. Sweet-smelling cane, an appetizer. In the Italian Bible says this, in the English Bible says, desire the better gifts. In the Italian Bible, it doesn't say desire. It says, appetite e doni spirituali. It means appetite, the spiritual gifts. Hunger for the spiritual gifts. Don't just desire them, hunger for them. It is the deep calling the deep. There's a longing in your life. Because how shall they know unless we tell the message of Jesus Christ? Sweet smelling cane. An appetizer. There was this young man who went to Bible college. He had a desire to serve God. He had a desire to position himself to be prepared as a servant of God. And that afternoon, the 40 students went to a minibus. And when they went to visit the house of Charles Finney. It was a place where this man of God once lived many years ago. A great man of God that touched his nation. A great man of God uses a mighty servant of God, Charles Finney. They went and visited the property. They went to see his home on this wonderful land. And they went to see, um, you know, the, the, the whole place was so beautiful. And as they walked down the corridor, they saw the study room where Charles Finney would pray and study and prepare himself. And there's all these books he would use and his Bible that he prepared himself. He was a great orator, mighty man of God. The, wall, the floor was made out of wood. And right in the corner of the room, there was a chair in that corner. And near the legs of the chair were two embossed prints of the knees. It was a place where Charles Finney would pry at his heart. It was a place that he would seek the face of God. They spent so much time there. They left the, the, the prints of his knees upon the woodwork near the legs of the chair in that corner. It was his prayer corner. The students were challenged at the dedication of Charles Finney. They went back in the minibus that afternoon, going back to Bible college. And they were singing some songs in the back of the bus. And they noticed somebody was missing. They couldn't believe it. There was someone missing. They said, well, look, we, we better go back. Maybe this fellow went for a walk around the gardens. Let's go back and pick him up before it gets too late. So they drove back to the house of Charles Finney. And they looked for this young man. They couldn't find him. They looked in the garden places. They looked in the corridor. They couldn't find this young man. And as they were walking down the corridor, and they, they heard someone crying in that study room where Charles Finney would seek God and prepare himself. And as they opened up the door, there was someone crying in that same corner. 
And this young man was pouring out his heart. He says, God, uh, your respect of no person. He says, God, the way that you've used Charles Finney. He says, God, you can use my life. He says, God, do it again. God, do it again. God, do it again. And the young man that prayed that prayer is no longer a young man. But you might recognize him. His name is Billy Graham. That when he arrives at a nation, the president will meet him at the airport. A man that God will use mightily in this world for the salvation of many, many people. And God is a respecter of no person. And God wants to do it again. He does not seek for your, for your capability. There are many folks that are more capable, more charismatic, more taller. Thank you, Jesus. He does not seek for your capability. He seeks for your availability. And when you give God your availability, then God will give you the ability to do His will. He doesn't seek for your capability. There are many folks that are more capable than you and I. But He seeks for your availability. And when you give God your availability, then God will give you the ability to do His will. How shall they know unless we tell them the message of Jesus Christ? In the days of the apostles, there were a few million people. Now we're close to 7 billion people. And listen carefully. We're not living in the last days. We're living in the last hours of the return of Jesus Christ. The fourth ingredient that God instructed Moses. Now this is really, really good. You want to get a pen and write this down or get a tape. I could speak about this one for the whole night, but I won't. The fourth ingredient was called cassia. The first one was myrrh. An antiseptic, a painkiller. The capacity to handle pressure. Symbolic the anointing of God over your life. The second one was cinnamon. Fire, enthusiasm, the zeal for thy house has consumed me. The third one was sweet, sweet smelling cane, an appetizer, something that stirs you up for the kingdom of God. The fourth one is called cassia. Cassia was used as a laxative. Now, young people, listen very carefully, because in the next few moments, I'm going to give you a crash course how to know the will of God. This can take me five hours. I'm going to try to do this in five minutes. Very important. The fourth ingredient was called cassia. It was a cleanser. It was a laxative. You see... The Word of God in your life and my life is a cleanser. When you become born again, what becomes born again is your spirit, not your mind. When you become born again, you become God conscious of God. Your soul is self conscious, your body is world conscious. It says in Thessalonians, sanctify your spirit, your soul, and your body. 
Your spirit is God conscious, your soul is self conscious, your body is world conscious, 3D. Three dimensional. Cassia was used as a cleanser. When you become born again, what becomes born again is your spirit becomes awake to God and to His presence and to His life. It's like when you go into a garden of roses and you walk in the garden of roses. When you come out of that garden, your clothes smells has a scent of roses. You see, when you're in God's presence, in God's anointing, there's a scent of His touch over your life. You carry something. It's called the life and the power of God. The capacity. The capacity to contain the anointing of God. Many times when I pray, when I finish praying, I, I find a place in the house where there's a comfortable couch or, or a bed, and I just sit down and I don't say a word. I begin to think about God's goodness and His mercy and His life and it's like that cloud that comes in that room. It is called the anointing and the presence and the fire of God. You can learn how to live in that. How to speak in that. How to minister through that. That's another teaching. Now listen, this is really important. The will of God. Cassia, a cleanser. When you become born again, what is born again is your spirit. Your mind is not born again. That's why in your heart of hearts, you want to serve God, please God, bless God. And in your mind, there's unclean thoughts and negative thoughts. You think, what's going on? In my heart, I want to serve God. In my heart, I want to serve the body of Christ and, and do the right thing. And in my mind, there's these negative thoughts, unclean thoughts. What's going on? Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, that the peace of God shall guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What becomes born again is your spirit. Your mind is not born again. Your mind becomes renewed, cleansed by the power of God's word. God's word is a washing. It cleanses your mind. Watch how you get to know the will of God. Romans chapter 12. Don't know why I'm going this way tonight, but anyway, the Lord knows. Romans now. I could have brought you a real frothy message tonight and have a lot of fun. And that's what I just sense in my heart. You guys are at another level in the things of God. You guys are at a much deeper level. That's why I'm going down this road. Is that okay tonight? Okay. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 and 3. He says, I beseech you, brethren, to not be conformed. You want to know God's will? The first thing is to not be conformed to this world. Men... Be a man of God. Ladies, be a woman of God. When our friends try to tempt us at college, university, at work, don't be conformed to this world. Stand as a servant of the Most High God. Then it says, present your bodies to Christ as a living sacrifice. Ladies, your body belongs to God. Men, your body belongs to God. Take care of the machinery. Look after it. Protect it. Because what it was inside you is the creator of the universe. The king of kings and lord of lords. You want to know God's will? The first thing, don't be conformed to this world. The second thing it then it says, to present your bodies to Christ. Listen, as a living sacrifice, your best. Not your second best, 
Not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Why? Then it says this, that you may know what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now listen very carefully. You can move in three dimensions in God's will. You can move in God's good will, in God's acceptable will, and in God's perfect will. But all three have a different level of the price tag that you need to pay of your life. I beseech you, brethren, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world. Then it says this, I forgot one part. Then it says, be renewed by the renewal of your mind. What renews our mind? What cleanses our mind is God's Word. Is the reading of God's Word. The meditating of God's Word cleanses our minds. That's when your heart of hearts, for example, I'll give you an example. Let's say in your heart you have a desire to go to Bible college. You have a desire to go to Bible and you got this real joy, this real stirring, this real passion to go to Bible college. This is real peace in your heart. And your mind is saying, don't be a fool. Your mind is saying, how will you get the money from? What do your parents think? I mean, how are you going to provide for yourself? And if you're not careful, those thoughts will filter into your heart and you'll lose God's peace. That's for the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So when you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, we don't get conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewal, kasiya, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may know God's good, acceptable, and perfect. You can operate it in all three levels. I'll give you an example. Before I got involved in the ministry, I was a fashion designer back in Sydney for Jane Debster. I studied six years for that. Then I went to Bible college. Maybe God's goodwill for my life was to continue to work as a fashion designer. There's nothing wrong with that. I could bless God's work, give more to the work of God, and that is God's goodwill. And that's fine. God will still love us and bless us. Maybe God's acceptable will is for me to continue as a fashion designer and maybe go to Bible college and just, you know, give myself more to God's work. But maybe God's perfect will is for me to leave everything and serve Him completely. You can operate in all three wills and be in his will. But each one has a higher price tag to pay. Your dedication. That you may know, not guess, not presume, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Cassia, a cleanser that cleanses you. You need that ingredient in your life. As an anointing. To have a mind renewed. By the power of God's word. To keep you in perfect peace. So that you may sleep well at night. Who give perfect peace. Whose mind are stayed upon thee. The last ingredient was olive oil. Olive oil. We saw this morning that olive oil speaks to us of the broken life. 
As you remember this morning, the garden gets so many. With all of his squeeze in the press. And the juices come out of the olive fruits. The oil comes out. Speaks of the broken life. Jesus in the garden gets semi. So this morning, surrender his will. Not my will, but thy will be done. Olive oil. Speaks of the broken life. I can imagine Abraham waited a hundred years for the promised child. And maybe in some way, he became maybe engrossed in the heart of Abraham. Who knows? And God said, Abraham, I want the boy back. And he brought him to the mountaintop. And as he lifted up the knife, God didn't say a word. As he prepared himself to sacrifice his son, the Lord did not say a word. As he was ready to plunge the knife down, the Lord stopped him. Abraham, Abraham, now I know the man that I can rule is a man that I can use to change a dying world. And out of his line came the descendants, Jesus Christ. The broken life. Olive oil. Myrrh and antiseptic. The capacity to handle pressure. Cinnamon, fire, zeal, passion. Sweet-smelling cane. An appetizer, a stirring, a longing. Cassia, a cleanser that cleanses your mind, that cleanses your heart. Olive oil, the broken life. The five ingredients that create the anointing oil that we need in this world today. How shall they know unless we tell them the message of Jesus Christ? I'm going to get amusers to come up here. Guys, you know that song, Lord, I give you my heart? You know that song, fellas? Yep. Can we play that, Lord, I give you my heart? Lord, I give you my heart. Just play it really softly, please, in the background. I thank you for your time. I'm, I apologize that it went over time a little bit. Please forgive me. But I need to say this tonight before we wrap this up. Guys, just play it really soft in the background. Lord, I give you my heart, just really softly. Listen very carefully. To come to Christ, it'll cost you nothing. To follow Christ, it'll cost you something. To serve Christ, it'll cost you everything. To come to Christ, it will cost you nothing. Salvation is free. It costs God a great price to give His Son. To come to Him, it will cost you nothing. To serve Him, it will cost something. Jesus says, you want to be my disciple? Pick up your cross and carry your cross and follow me. But to serve Christ, it will cost you everything. Either he's Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. You can't make Jesus your provider. You can't make Jesus your healer by being your Lord first. It doesn't work that way. Either he's Lord of all, or not Lord at all. Before we pray tonight, and 
I believe God is stirring the hearts of people tonight. I was 17 years old. And I went to a Wednesday night prayer meeting in my church. There was a dear man, his name is Brother Catabiano. Italian guy. 85 years old. And every time he would pray, he would cry and cry and cry. I asked him, I said, Brother Catabiano, why... Why do you cry every time you pray? Is it because God is touching your heart and you feel His presence? Because every time you pray, you just seem to cry. Listen carefully. He said, yes. When I'm praying, I do feel God's presence. And it gives me great joy and I am moved. But there's a reason why I cry when I pray. So why do you cry when you pray? He said this. So when I was a young man, the age of 20, I went to a camp. And I felt the call of God upon my life at that camp. I felt the call of God to serve Him, to give myself to the cause of Christ. And He said, I said, he said, I said God, I'll, I will serve you, but let me first get married. And once I'm married, myself and my spouse, my wife will serve you. He said, God, I, I, I want to do your will, but let me first raise our children and send them to college, university, and then we're free, and then I, we will really serve you. He said, God, we're just about ready. Let me just pay off the house so we're debt free, and then we give ourselves fully to the cause of Christ. He said, I'm 85 years old, and I lost the opportunity. Because I kept on putting it off. Putting it off. Young people do not lose the opportunity. Many are called. Few are chosen. Because only few people position themselves in such a place where God can choose you. Because you have been born in this generation. To do something for your God in your generation. That's why you're here. Someone else could have been born in your place. And he's known you by name for the foundation.